Welcome to New Hope Underground. I am not your normal host. My name is Jonathan Brocious and uh, really pumped to do this actually. I've uh, done quite a bit of radio before and it kind of feels like being back home, being back behind a microphone and headphones on and it's just been just been too long since I've been able to do this. I am the campus pastor at New Hope Newton and really excited because today on New Hope Underground, we're discussing Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. That is the passage of scripture for this week in our journey through Ephesians. And I have a good buddy of mine with me to just talk about scripture. His name is Caleb Waltman. Caleb, welcome to New Hope Underground. Hey, thank you. I'm glad you're here today with me. I'm really excited about this conversation. And the reason I asked if you would come do this podcast with me is because I know you study. I know you have a passion for the word of God. I know you study. And uh, in my mind, the, by the time this podcast comes out, people will have already kind of heard what I've been receiving and what I've been thinking about this passage of scripture as I've been chewing on it for the last few weeks. But I'm excited to kind of peel open your skull for a second, see what's going on in your brain and what the Holy Spirit's been teaching you and messing with you as we as we journey through Ephesians 3, this last paragraph in Ephesians 3. So let's kick it off by having you read the scripture for us on this podcast. All right, yeah, I can do that. And unlike Jonathan over here, who feels very comfortable at home <laughs> with his microphone in my face, I do not. So. Well, hey, that's my job is to make you feel comfortable. So yep, just, hey, you're good. just talking to me. That's it. Ignore the or ignore the hundreds of other people that might listen to this later. <laughs> uh, All right, go for it, man. Read the scripture okay. for us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit to your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length, the height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him he was able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I got to say this one thing before we dive into actually serious topics. The word height has been driving me crazy because I've been trying to work on this message and, you know, kind of practicing my delivery and all that sort of thing as I'm getting ready for Sunday. And by the time the podcast airs, people will be able to tell how good of a job I did on this, but I keep wanting to say height. Every single time (laughs) I read that word, when I'm reading the scripture, I keep wanting to say height, which is not a word. The word height does not exist. It is height with a hard T at the end of it. But my grandfather used to always say height, 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 length, width, height, depth, you know? And it's just like, because all the other words end with a TH and that one doesn't. But anyway, small thing that's been driving me crazy. So and now I'm very curious to see if I said it. I, well, you'll have to listen back <laughs> yeah, to the podcast yep. and find out if you said height, <laughs> breadth, length, height, and depth. Anyway. So the very first thing I definitely noticed about this. Yeah, tell me. This me. guy does not use periods. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just yes. reading that out loud, I'm about to, I need to take breaths. Yeah. There's no stopping. More breath, breaths, breath, <laughs> yeah, breaths, breaths. Yes. Yeah, exactly. What is up with Paul <laughs> and not using periods? It is hard to understand, is it not? Yep. I, uh, I, what do you do to try to analyze this? Because I don't know about you or what system you've found as you've been studying this passage of scripture. But one of the things that I have found is because he doesn't use sentences, 
my brain has a hard time keeping up with the ideas that he's throwing out. So what have, what strategy were you using as you were studying to kind of combat that? I just pretty well verse to verse, like just stop at that verse and think it's a sentence. Oh, okay. So you're inserting your own periods. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And I think this might be one of the reasons Peter says it's so hard to understand because maybe he was like, man, this guy doesn't use commas or periods either. (laughs) Peter's like, you're going too fast for me, Paul. (laughs) I'm just a fisherman. You're like this Pharisee guy, like, holy cow, slow down and give me something a little more bite-sized. So what else, what else is hitting you? I mean, as you're, as you're, you're, the first thing that's hitting you is no periods. This is hard to understand. Like it just run on sentence after run on sentence. But you you started inserting your own periods to try to find meaning. What meanings were you finding in this text? Well, I think we should just go ahead and start just verse by verse, and this way I studied it. Yeah, let's so, do it. I love it. Let's do that, Caleb. So, and you know, this has been awesome for me to slow down and just study this portion of scripture because I feel like normally mm. I'm going chapters at a time or books at a time, and, and you're trying to get through the Bible in a year or something. I couldn't believe how much I pulled just from these few verses. I'm just excited to share it to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And isn't that, I just, let's pause and hang out there for a second because what you just said is really true. And that's something that I've been learning over the last couple of years. I've actually been taking one of these, these free online courses about the Bible. It's been fantastic. Every word is intentional and every word has meaning and purpose behind it. And it is dense text. And so we try to get through the Bible quickly, like you said, chapter by chapter by chapter. But sometimes when you just break it down, this is seven, eight verses. And uh, when you look at just those eight verses, all of a sudden your mind just starts melting with all the meaning that you can find in it. So I think that's a really great point. And a great analogy that I I came across too is, you know, how much depth or how much riches you can gain from the text and how we'll we'll never fully understand it. But it's also simple enough for a child to understand and to believe. Yes. And that's just the magnificence of the Bible. <laughs> right. I mean, a child can look at it and say, oh, I understand it. But then we dig into it and we'll, we'll never understand it. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. All right. So what's the first thing that you found as we went verse by verse? Okay, do we so need verse, to read the verse first that you're talking about? Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do that. So verse 14 says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And so what I got here was, you know, are we supposed to bow our knees every time we pray? You know, mm. are we supposed to do that when we're alone or before bed? You know, but what I came across was the Jews didn't hardly ever bow their knees to pray. Oh, really? And this is new information. So for me. fill me in. So, and then definitely around the, the Ephesus area. So it's modern day Turkey, right? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the Turks actually to pray on their knees, they thought it was, uh, not manly. They thought it was uh, womanly to do. Really? So for Paul to be doing this is combating culture to the extreme here. Wow. That's huge. So he's kind of saying, he's making a cultural statement saying, I'm giving up my dignity as a man to beg for this thing from God. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, but he doesn't always kneel, you know, kneel down to pray. No. This, this, this is uh we just come to this part of Ephesians where he is praying very earnestly. And I think that's the reason why he bowed down because he doesn't care what people say culturally about him. He's going to do it anyway, because he feels that it's not that put going on your knees makes you feel more reverent. Mm -hmm. It's that the feeling you have brings you to your knees. Mm. And that's what I think he's saying here. That's huge. 
It's just the vast weightiness of what he's asking for. Yep. The vast weightiness of what he's asking for drives him to his knees because he's begging God for something so important. And I'm actually going to change my prayer time because of this verse to where I'm only going to kneel down when I feel the need to. Mm. And so before, instead of it just being a custom, yeah, just because it, it's almost lost its meaning because you've done it so many yeah. regular times. Oh, that's awesome. Caleb. I love that. And there's, and I mean, there's definitely times where, you know, some prayers you say before dinner that don't cut to the heart. Then sometimes you have sinned or are just feeling anxious or depressed and it just drives you to your knees. And that's, that's when you get on your knees and pray, mm. I think. So you were finding that this wasn't a constant thing for Paul or even the regular Jews yeah. in that time period. This was just something that Paul was using for this specific prayer. It wasn't a constant all the time you have to kneel. Yeah, I think it's curious that he got put that put that actually in there that he was doing this because it, you go through this and it's just a very fervent prayer. And mm-hmm. I think this is just one of those weighty times where it just brought him to his knees. That's great. That's great. Okay, so that's that gets us started. We've we, we there's so much depth. We're barely a <laughs> half a verse into this, we and go. we're cruising halfway through the podcast. So what's the next one you found? So, you know, um, we can just go on to verse fifteen then. Yeah, let's do it. See. So that's the one that says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So I thought it was pretty much here. I just uncovered the word for family. I wanted want to know what that meant in the Greek or what that meant in the Hebrew. Yeah. And uh, I found that this meant all families that, that I kind of correlated to Christians, like Christians that are our family. We're all together. Yes. I think he's speaking to that here, saying that every I found, family in heaven and earth is named. I, I think that makes sense when you consider the context of the text. I don't think he's talking about like, okay, the Waltman family versus the Brocious family. Somehow we both got our names from God. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I think what he's trying to say is, hey, we just got done spending like most of chapter two and the beginning of chapter three talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles were now unified in God. They were now unified because of this grace that we have in Christ. Because of the work on the cross, because of the empty tomb, we are able to set aside our cultural differences, our religious uh, heritage differences. We're able to welcome each other into the family of Christ. And so I think what he's saying here is every family, whether it's a Jewish family, whether it's a Gentile family, you both have the same father. Because that was a big deal to the Jews. The fact that Abraham was their father and that Moses was their prophet was a huge deal. And so they were saying, we are this children of Abraham. That's like whole sections of Romans is about this. And so Paul is saying, hey, look, it all comes from God, right? (laughs) So we're worried about fathers. Hey, let's think about God as our father. And guess who made the Gentiles? God did. So guess what? Everybody's got their name from one God and we can be unified together. And this was a big deal in Ephesus too, because the Jews and the, the Gentiles did not get along that great mm. from what I read. Yeah. And so I think he inserted this here specifically for that reason to say, Hey, we're, we're all one family now. Christ right. died on the cross, not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Amen, brother. Couldn't preach it better myself. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, let's hit the next verse. Next verse says in verse 16, I pray and this is, at least in the translations I've been reading, this is the beginning right here of a very long run-on sentence. Um, so again, we're just going to break it down into some phrases. Let's start with phrase one. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being 
through his spirit. Uh, I think you've got the ESV there might say that a little bit differently, but what's, what's hitting you about that verse? This one is the one that starts getting me fired up. When we start talking about power being strengthened, I'm all about that. <laughs> that gets me excited. And that's one of the reasons I chose this passage to preach on. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that. And, uh, so I kind of put 16 and 17 together. Oh yeah. Hit us with 17. And then. so 17 also says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Mm. So that, that word, so like struck me. I was like, why do you not say, and why do you say, so it's like, it's like you're moving from one thing to the next, but one thing has to come before the next. Mm-hmm. And what got me was 16 came before 17 saying that, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So, so God working through his spirit in your inner being has to come before Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. Hmm. And that's that word. So really got me there. And, uh, so God and the root of uh, rooted and grounded in love. And that root that I believe is that Christ loves us. You know, that's the root of all of it. Yeah. So Christ loving us enough to give his spirit to us. Right. Is the root we're looking for, but that has to come before Christ dwelling in our hearts. And that's crazy to think that there's actually power working inside of us that we don't see. You know, we are always looking at the natural realm, you know. There is also a spiritual world out there that we don't see. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes we feel it, but you know, day to day we don't even take notice of it. I feel like. Well, you're kind of starting to hit on an idea that, man, I got to just barely touch on it in my message, but I, I don't want to move too quickly past it. And you just named it, which is the spiritual reality that's around us. The fact that our hearts are even open to the idea of Christ is a testimony of his power working within us. The idea that, um, the idea that there is a spiritual world. I mean, it's kind of like that story of Elisha and his servant in the old Testament where Elisha's house is being surrounded by this army and they're all looking for Elisha and the servant comes to Elisha and he says, what are we going to do? And he's freaking out. You know, he's just losing his mind. I don't know what to do. And Elisha prays and he says, God open the eyes of this man so that he can see. And all of a sudden God shows the servant, this massive army of angels. And I love the word host. We always think of the word host as, um, as just like a bunch, a bunch of angels. But when you start reading some of the different translations, like I, like we were talking off air right before we get started, I've been reading the NET lately just because there's so many awesome translators notes on, and it's free, netbible.org is the website I've been using. And I was reading in Luke 2 the other day about the Christmas story, and it said the host of heavenly armies. It's like a military presence that's showing up. And that shows up in the story with Elisha, the spiritual military presence that's happening around us that we have no clue because we're only seeing what our physical eyes can see. And I make the point in the message, and it's still I'm still struggling with this a little bit, even myself, just trying to grapple with this reality. 
I read this passage of scripture. I'm just going to read it again, just so you can kind of catch the whole gl- the whole grasp of that run-on sentence. I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person, that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God. Just what a mind-blowing prayer, right, Caleb? Yeah. This idea of being filled to all the fullness of God. And that started challenging me. When I look at Jonathan Brocious's life, when I look at myself, would I describe myself as being filled with all of the fullness of God? I don't know. I don't know that I can honestly look in the mirror and say, yes, I am filled to all the fullness of God. Can I look at my church and say we are filled to all the fullness of God? Well, yeah, I'd love that. That'd be nice. But are we really there? Is that really what drives every single thing that we do, every single word that we say? And it just hurts. That question honestly kind of hurts and it's convicting. And there's that spiritual reality that we honestly forget about 95% of our day, probably higher than that. Most of our day, it's gone. We're not thinking about it, but it's very, very real. And so that's why I take so much heart in the very next sentence. Now to him who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think. (laughs) Referring back to that power of the spirit and saying, hey, if we're going to be living to all the fullness of God, if we're going to have Christ indwelling our hearts, if we're going to be rooted and grounded in love, if we're going to actually grasp all of the knowledge of the love of Christ that surpasses comprehension, Paul even acknowledges in the prayer that it's not even possible for us to do this. It's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, It's got to be a work of God in our lives. It's not possible just by Jonathan trying harder. It's, and, and guess what? Paul's saying, just in case you think this is impossible, Jonathan, I feel like he included that sentence just for me. Just in case you think this is impossible, Jonathan, just in case you think it's impossible for Jonathan Brocious to be filled with all the fullness of God, guess who can do more than you ask or think? Guess who actually has the power to make that happen? Anyway, that's just something that's been messing yeah. with me. What's your response? So, you know, I think this also is should drive us to try to gain that knowledge and to gain that yeah. that ground us in love because he promises right here that he'll give us the strength to do it. Amen. So shouldn't that daily make us try to grow in that? Right. Grow our sanctification? And then we return back to the very beginning of the passage where Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Yep. You know, Paul is saying, look, if we want this to happen, here's, here's, how, to, here's how you do it. We're praying. We're asking God for this because this is something beyond Jonathan's strength. Yes, I want it. Yes, I have the desire. Yes, you're absolutely right. It should drive me. This should be an inspiration to drive me to try to experience this depth that Paul is talking about here. You know, this is one of the great things that I've known about when I first became a Christian was just this vastness of knowledge, this vastness of just this love or how much more knowledge I can gain understanding of the world is it's only through Christ. You can't get it through anything else. You have to first start with God, first start with Christ. 
And then if you're doing that, he, it says right here, he will give you the strength mm-hmm. to start to comprehend it. Because we're too weak. Let's yeah. think about the opposite of that. We're too weak and frail to even get it. And I'm sure at the, at the same time in Ephesus that Paul's writing this, there's probably these scholars and people just like our day, you know, right. that are just the gurus trying to look for the truth in the world, but they're never going to find it. You know, <laughs> they, right. number one, they don't have the strength. God, God didn't give them the strength because they're not looking in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's about it there. That's, well, and that makes me think about another passage of scripture. Gosh, I need to, I don't have the reference off the top of my head but it says God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You live a life that looks like Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. You live a life that's rooted and grounded in love. You live a life where Christ is indwelling your hearts. You're going to look straight up goofy to the rest of the world. And we got to be okay with that idea because they don't understand. They don't, they don't have, they're not even capable of getting why we're doing the things that we're doing why we're doing, why we're thinking the things we're thinking, what drove our actions. It's not even possible for them to get it. And so we got to be comfortable in that. We got to start being comfortable with looking different than everybody else. We got to start being comfortable with making decisions that are driven by completely different ideas because they're not our ideas. They're not worldly ideas. They don't, they can't come from a human brain. Anyway, you got me fired up, man. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just started rattling <laughs> yeah. off there. Tell me, tell me what's the next, what, tell me something else big that hits you as you're studying this passage of scripture. So where I really want to sit and dwell on is the next verse. Yeah, let's do it. And this is, this is what got me on fire with studying this is verse 18 and 19. Okay. And verse 18 is saying, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. Hey, you did it right. <laughs> and to Good know, job. I was trying hard to. <laughs> you did not say height. Good job. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. So let's go to verse 18. Let's do it. And So verse 18 is the one with the height in it. Yes. <laughs> it's and the one with the breadth, length, height, and depth. Yes. And I found it very curious. He uses four different terms in there. Okay. Height, depth, length, and breadth. So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and call this the four dimensions of the cross. Okay. So, you know, he added this for a reason. and Which is interesting because there's only three dimensions to a thing. If you're studying an object, okay. there's width, you know, depth, and then height of the object, the three dimensions of an object. So he adds a fourth dimension. So that's interesting to me. I just, I just, as you were talking, I just noticed that. I don't know why. I thought, I don't know where to go with that thought necessarily. <laughs> but what, but he does add a fourth dimension, which is interesting. So I believe that scripture always interprets scripture. You know, mm-hmm. so so if, if you have a question with something, you know, why, why would he write this? You know, you could just flip a few chapters or a few pages or a few books, and you'll find the answer. This okay. Is the, this is the awesome thing about the Bible. Right. So. For height, let's turn to Psalm 36.5. Okay. Caleb is frantically searching for Psalm 36.5. <laughs> wow, that was pretty quick. That was good, man. I'm so impressed. It says, Read it to us. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. So there's the height right so there. There's the height, or height right there. Depending on this where you're This is how high God's love is going to extend. And that's so crazy because Paul is referencing that idea over in Ephesians, Paul knew his Psalms backwards and forwards. Oh, yeah. Paul understood this. 
And he's calling out saying, Hey, remember Psalm 36? Remember all those discussions of how God loves you know, all the way up to the sky, which is just crazy. And Paul's the guy, you know, he memorized the first five books of the Bible before he could even begin to teach as a Pharisee. Right. So this guy knew his scripture. Knew his scripture. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What do you have for the next so, one? Depth. Let's go. Let's talk about depth. Let's talk about so depth. Psalm 86. It's a deep subject. Well, <laughs> well, it's a deep subject. Okay. Bad joke. Psalm 86, 13. Yes. says, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of hell. <laughs> so this is what we're talking about. Even God's love goes to the depths of hell. So we're talking, and this is interesting because you're tapping into another thing that I've been learning in some of these Bible courses. In the ancient mind, when they were writing the Bible, the heavens was more than just a cool, airy area where birds flew and clouds hung out. The heavens were where God lived. That's why Psalms talks about heavens all the time. In the ancient mind, that's where God lived. And so he's saying all the way up to the depths of God, all the way down to the deepest parts of the earth, all the way down into hell, which is where chaos and water reigns. There's some deep, there's, there's so much meaning in here. There's so much imagery that's going on. And again, as soon as you start to just barely tackle these subjects, your mind starts to melt discussing the love of Christ and what it is. And you're realizing very quickly that we're way out of our league. We're not able to comprehend this. And this one here, I believe is should give you great encouragement because you know, I know I was in the depth of hell before Christ saved me, you know, absolutely. My, my, all my thoughts, my mind, my actions, you know, looking back now, it was like I was swimming in deep. I I was in hell. You know, I was just, you're lost. Your, your yeah. mind was completely confused. You didn't know the truth. And no matter what you've done or what you did or how deep you are, you think, yeah. it says right here that Christ's love will go there wow. and save you. Amen. And we can't comprehend it. Nope. Can't get it. What's the next one? Yeah, I assume you have two more dimensions for yep. Christ's love. Let's do breadth. Okay. So Psalm 33.5. Okay. This is saying, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his steadfast love of the Lord. So this is how full the earth, his breadth, the fullness of God encompasses the entire earth. So whenever you're driving, wherever you see you're at work, you're going to see God and Christ everywhere. So hang on. It says right there, read that passage again to me in Psalm 33. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Earth is full. And what is what is Paul doing here in uh, verse 19? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's hitting those same words again. Yep. It's that same concept. He's like condensing the Psalms into this. This is so cool. I'm so glad you noticed this. <laughs> hit, me, hit me with the last one. Okay, so link. Let's go to Acts 1-8 to actually hear the words of Jesus. Okay. He's got to flip all the way to the other side of his Bible, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm, I'm narrating this for you in real time. You can hear the pages turning frantically. He's there. This guy knows his Bible. He's quick. Let's go. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. So he's saying when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, that you are to be his witness the length of the entire world. Yeah. That you can bring his truth and his love and cast it. There's, there's not a place on earth you can't take it. 
And so this is what Jesus was doing when he brought the kingdom of heaven, right? Is he saying the kingdom of heaven is here and we're taking over everything. So that's him launching out the church right there in Acts 1.8. That's what you just read for us. And he's saying, look, we're going to take over everything. Psalms was already talking about how God has already, his love is already in the heavens. It's already down to hell. Now we go wide with the church. It's just crazy how Paul is condensing all of these ideas into one prayer. And as you start to do that, again, I'm realizing it, even as we're just having this discussion, I'm out of my league. Trying to understand this is hard. This is difficult. And it's actually something that's beyond my comprehension. That's what, and Paul acknowledges that right there in the prayer. And, you know, we have to have the power and the strength of Christ for us to, even, when we read the Bible, to gain anything from it. Yeah. So a lot of the godly men I read about or know, before they even read the Bible or do the, the meditation time, they ask God for that strength. Mm, that's so and, good. And, you know, it puts in their mind, well, it's not of myself gaining this knowledge. It's Christ giving it to me. Yeah. Caleb, I hate to cut this off at all, but we're pushing a half hour already here. I want to ask you this one final question, though. As you have been studying this passage of Scripture, how has God been challenging you? How has he been messing with you? And how do you plan on applying this going forward? So I think it's challenging me because now instead of when I just read it over fast, I I pick out the things that I want to know or need to know or I'm not need to know, but want to know. You're just getting information. Yeah. When I slow down and actually study it, it's kind of cutting me deep because these are things you don't want to dwell on sometimes or things you don't care to think upon, Mm. but these are the things you need to think upon. And wow, it's... uh, I'm excited for the Sunday, you know, to for your sermon because <laughs> this prayer that Paul prays, I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to pray the same prayer now, you know, as earnestly as he prays it, and mm-hmm. to know that, you know, just just to know that somebody else like Paul can be, you know, this earnest about it. It's and here's the cool thing: you think about the end of this prayer. He says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I just had this thought. The apostle Paul was praying for you and me. He prayed this. This prayer has already been prayed over us, Caleb. It's already been prayed over New Hope. It's already been prayed over Newton. It's already been prayed over Effingham. It's already been prayed over Shelbyville. It's already been prayed over the church and the entire world as we know it today. This, the very guy that wrote these words is praying them for us. This is a reality. We can experience this. We can experience the fullness of God. We can experience the indwelling of Christ. We can experience what it means to be rooted and grounded in this crazy earth-shattering love that you just described. And somehow it says to know, I think Paul is not making a mistake here when he says we're going to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> Did you just make a mistake there? How can I know it if it's going to surpass knowledge? <laughs> I think I think it's a possibility with the Holy Spirit. We can understand that. 
And I think that drastically and radically changes us. And I think you're right. I, this is exactly the same application I was getting to and the same thing that I'm going to challenge the church to do. By the time they hear this podcast, they will have already been challenged by it. But we have to be praying this prayer. We have to be praying this prayer together. Because here's one thing, and I, again, I touched on this in the sermon on Sunday, but all of the yous in this passage, I, that he will grant you to be strengthened with power, that Christ will dwell in your hearts, that because you have been rooted and grounded in love. Those are plural, not singular. If you go into the Greek, it's all plural yous. This was not a prayer for a single person. This wasn't just our own internal spirituality. It was meant to be experienced as a group. Essentially, Paul was praying. So the English language, when I say you, you can't tell if I'm saying just individually you or if I'm talking to a group of people, right? The South has come up with a solution for this. They have you and y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and essentially, Paul is saying, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant y'all to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person, that Christ will dwell in y'all's hearts through faith. All of a sudden, it kind of changes the flavor of the text a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. All of a sudden, instead of just trying to experience this crazy love of God by ourselves, we understand that we need the people around us to really get this figured out. It's not possible to do it by ourselves. And so anyway, let, let's, let's do this. Um, I'd like us to pray this prayer for New Hope to close out the podcast. Yeah. Does that sound good to you? So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to pray this prayer, Caleb. Pray this prayer over uh, over New Hope. We can't really kneel because we have microphones sitting in front of our faces <laughs> right now, but we'll be kneeling in our hearts. And uh, what I'd encourage you to do is, and I plan on doing this on Sunday, is praying this, but praying it in the first person. So I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he will grant us to be strengthened. Pray it over ourselves. And, uh, and let's close out the podcast that way. So go for it. So dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, I just lift up this prayer to you, Lord, that you will just keep your promises, that you will let you will give us the strength to comprehend. Mm. Even though we, we know we can't comprehend fully, that we will strive, we will take we will take this and strive to know you, to follow you closer each day. Lord, I just pray that you just come into us and fill us with your fullness, Lord. Mm. That we that word is just blows my mind. It's the fullness of God. Lord, I pray that we feel this daily and we can just grow daily. I just pray you, you just bless us in this. And everyone who calls himself a Christian, Lord, that you will just give them the surpassing knowledge. And it's in Christ's name. Amen. 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 I couldn't agree more. We're going to close out the show here, and I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Make sure you tune in again next Sunday uh, for another episode of New Hope Underground as we continue our journey through Ephesians. We're going to be heading into chapter four. It gets a whole lot more practical and a lot of fun. You guys have a fantastic week. See you later. <laughs>